Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth of salvation. You have not because you ask not. Jesus stood before the governor, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Jesus asked Pilate, Are you asking this or saying this of yourself or did others tell you about it? You see, Jesus is not really on trial here, but Pilate is. That's a plea to say, Examine who I am. It's an opportunity to be saved. Do you see the character in the heart of your Lord? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Where are you going to go to college? What job offer are you going to accept? Who are you going to marry? No doubt those are important questions to ponder, but Pastor Xavier says there's one question that surpasses even those. Well, today he takes us back to the Gospel of Matthew as he brings us today's message titled, Jesus Tried and Crucified. Matthew 27, verses 1 through 31. The examination by the religious rulers regarding Jesus has lasted all night. He has plainly told them that he's the Son of God, and therefore they have concluded that he has blasphemed. Now Jesus has taken the Pilate for his civil trial, in which he is condemned to be crucified. Matthew, in these 31 verses, provides for us three movements of his trial. But I want to take the things that we see here and just take some other things to amplify them. But to show you the three movements that are very important, remember, Matthew is portraying him as king of the Jews. And he has this purpose for arranging his material in the way that he presents it. But in verses 1 through 10, Jesus is delivered to Pilate. The second movement comes in verses 11 to 23, where Jesus is examined by Pilate. And then in verses 24 through 31, Jesus is condemned to death by Pilate. Let me read the text and we'll move through it. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver, the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said to him, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the piece of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasure because they are the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought them, uh, bought a potter's field uh, to bury strangers. And therefore, that field has been called and is called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled that spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver in value of him and was priced, whom they of the children of Israel pierced. And gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. But Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he answered him, 
not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner who they wished, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in the dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor asked and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the, all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers and the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. Then when they had mocked him, they took the robe of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. The first ten verses, we see Jesus is delivered to Pilate. Notice the time was in the morning, sometime between five to six in the morning. John tells us very early his gospel. Chapter 18 and 19 gives us the course of that. Remember, the Passover was to be that day. And they wanted to partake of it. Here's the, the hypocrisy of them. And so they didn't want to be defiled. They needed to do certain things. And they wanted to get this thing over with as fast as possible. The individuals were the members of the Sanhedrin court. The leading spiritual leaders of the nation. The priests. The elders. Others were the scribes, the other gospels tell us. These were the men that were supposed to know God. These were the men that were supposed to be ready to receive the Messiah. These were the men who were to lead God's people towards God. It is amazing how often those who are to be the leaders are the most perverse. Those who are to be the scholars in defense of the gospel are the ones who destroy the gospel. Those who are to study meticulously the scriptures that they might bring out the meaning end up destroying the meaning because of their liberalism. Today is no different than the days of Jesus. You may have a doctorate, you may have a PhD in theology, but if you destroy the scriptures from your own academic approach, then you fit in this category. You start saying that certain words aren't in the scriptures and that Jesus didn't really mean this and you start bringing your own interpretation apart from what the scriptures teach. 
then you fall into this category. And there are many today. See, when people attack us from the outside, it's no big deal. We can identify the enemy. But the most dangerous attack is from within the church, from quote, quote, religious leaders, spiritual people. And we need to put on our thinking caps. We need to know what's happening. The reason why they had turned Jesus over to Pilate was because they did not have the power to bring a person to death. They had lost that. John 18, 31, Pilate told them, why don't you guys judge him according to your law? And they say, well, we don't have the right to put anybody to death in John 18, 31. Genesis 49, 10 speaks about the scepter being taken away from Judah. The scepter spoke of the right and authority and power. Just a few years before Pilate came to the throne, the power of death was removed from the Jews. How interesting. What a coincidence. Scriptures fit perfectly. They couldn't do it themselves. The man who was to be the instrument was Pilate. We find him in verse 2. He was the proconsular, or the governor of Judah under the emperor Tiberius. He was not responsible to the Senate himself. He was directly responsible to Tiberius. That means that Pilate had a long-running life of political agendas, and he climbed the ladder pretty successfully. And now he was directly responsible to Tiberius, not to the Senate. Pilate usually resided at Caesarea on the Mediterranean there. But on the feast days, he would always come in because remember the feast days of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Millions of Jews came into the city to celebrate, and there was always a greater opportunity for uprising against Rome. And so they bulked up their army and everything else, and he resided there at the Praetorium at the uh, Antonia Fortress. And so this is where he was. He reigned from 26 to 36. He was hated by the Jews because he had a long-running encounter with them all the time. When he came into office, he came into Rome or into Jerusalem, and rather than leaving the standard of Rome, which was the eagle, outside the city, he marched the entire army in, and he would not bring them down. He was made to bring them down by his own government because the Jews felt it was idolatry. At another time, he had robbed the treasury because he was building an aqueduct. He had murdered Jews innocently, some Galileans. So, Pilate, you must understand the background. He is in hot water. Pilate is not liked at all. The Jews have him up against the wall. He's constantly being accused to Rome of his injustice, of his cruelty, and everything else. At this point, Pilate is under some heavy, heavy pressure. Philo, or Philo, whichever we want to pronounce it, tells us that the Jews had threatened to exercise their right to report Pilate because of all his cruelty. And so Pilate was fearful of the Jews in that he might lose his political position. Keep that in mind. He loved power. He loved position. He loved prestige. And it was being threatened, and he didn't even know it at this point. But as the trial goes on, he sees it very, very clearly. Now, 
we get an interesting insight here from verses 3 to 10. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to at least mention verses 3 through 5 a little bit. And that is Judas Iscariot, the betrayer who committed suicide. Remember, he was chosen by our Lord after an entire night in prayer along with the other 11. God does not make mistakes. Yes, he is called the son of perdition. Yes, the scriptures tell us that he went to his own place. But does that mean that Judas Iscariot was predestined to be damned by God? Never. Could have Judas Iscariot repented? Absolutely. Did he? No. You might be thinking, well, if he wouldn't repent it, then how would the scripture have been fulfilled? I don't know. But I know that no one is rejected by God of their true repentance, regardless of how far you go. As long as you are breathing, and there is a sense of conviction in your heart, then God is tugging upon your heart. And I do want you to observe that there was conviction upon Judah's heart. It says here that he was remorseful, and he brought back the silver to the elders. The word remorseful means he regretted the consequences. He got busted. You see, this is what we see in the world a lot today and among our friends and sometimes even among Christians. They know right and wrong because the Bible says by conscience we know right and wrong. Laws tell us right and wrong, at least to some extent. Today it's doubtful. But most of the time people regret the consequences. And they have the crime, they have the tears, they have, oh, I wish I, you know, but it's not so much because of the evil they have committed. It's just that they don't like to live with the consequences, either of even being found out or of having to live with some baggage. Remorse is crazy because it doesn't teach you anything. You will go out and do it all over again after your tears are gone and your conscience is seared a little more. There is a word in the Bible that is much like this. This is, uh, the remorseful is a word, metamolomai. But the repentance that is biblical is the word metanoia. It means a change of mind. A change of mind about God, about sin, and that what I did is wrong and is sin against God. I'm not even aware or concerned about the consequences. Though it's present, I'm not regretting because of the consequence. I'm not turning because of the consequence. I'm turning because I've changed my mind. I have seen myself as a sinner separated from God. And that sin is against God. And that only God can forgive me of my sin. And I turn to God and He forgives my sin. And I'm a new creature. That's biblical repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 says, Paul tells the Corinthians, says, you know, uh, we, we don't repent that we wrote such a harsh letter to you because it caused you to turn. And your repentance has demonstrated that it isn't a sorrow of death like the world, but repentance that leads to godliness. It's godly sorrow. That which changes your life whether the consequence is heavy or not, it changes your life because you see it against God. And not simply about something that you're embarrassed about, something that you regret about, something you have to live with. 
Judas Iscariot walked with Jesus. Judas Iscariot heard that over and over again. But he didn't do it. Notice his guilt. His guilty conscience condemned him. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Verse 4. He knew what he did. But he didn't respond the way God had taught him to respond if he wanted to. How many people do that? You see, look at his confession. It was to the wrong people, wasn't it? He confessed the sin to man instead of God. Today we're into therapy. And we figure we can get it off our chest. You've heard that term. Get what off your chest. And if I can just talk to somebody, I'll feel better. Yes, you'll feel better for a little bit. But it'll come back. You need to cut it out. Why? Because you're dealing with symptoms and not the cause. Talking is good, but you better be talking to the right person. You better be talking to God, not to man. Is there no value in talking to man at all? No. But you better deal with your sin first with God. And you may talk to man for some direction in Scripture regarding what it says about your sin and the consequence of what God has done, and we can lead you to the Scriptures. But not that your talking to me is going to alleviate your guilt or get rid of your sin. Never. You can talk about your adulterous relationship all you want. It's not going to hold you innocent to it. You're guilty. You need to talk to God about it. Man cannot forgive sin. I like man's response. What is that to us? You see to it. <laughs> hey, it's not my problem, buddy. That's yours. You see, you go to God and He understands your hurt, He knows your pain. He knows your disappointment. You go to man, he never will. He may sympathize because he can perhaps identify because he's gone through the same thing, and that helps, but he will never know the full impact that has come to your life because of that. Because he doesn't know your heart, you know what I mean? That's very important. We're putting God aside today and we're exalting man. That's wrong. It doesn't get to the solution. What was the result? He hung himself. Verse 5. You go to man, you exclude God, you will be committing spiritual suicide. Absolutely. Every time he hung himself. Prophetic of Judas Iscariot of Psalm 41.9, David wrote, he was speaking of twofold prophecy. His, his friend Ahithophel, who had betrayed him and gone to his son's side, uh, Absalom. But interesting that Ahithophel also in 2 Samuel 17, 23, says that when his counsel was not taken by Absalom, he went and got his house in order and he went and hung himself. How interesting, prophetically. Judas Iscariot did the exact same thing as the prophecy declares in the life of Ahithophel. Why? Because they both went to man and not to God. They both betrayed a friend. One they walked with, one they supped with, one they took counsel together, one they went and worshipped together. It was treachery. Can that be forgiven? Absolutely. But it all depends who you go to. God or man. 
Now from verses 11 through 23, we have Jesus and he's examined by Pilate. Notice first Jesus acknowledges his prophetic office as king of the Jews in verse 11. Jesus stood before the governor. The governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Jesus never denied that he was the son of God. Jesus never denied he was king of the Jews. Jesus never denied he was Messiah. He declared it openly. He answered it all the time. Jesus asked Pilate in John's Gospel, John 18, 34, Are you asking this or saying this of yourself, or did others tell you about me? <laughs> if you will examine the cross-examination, and Jesus is cross-examining Pilate throughout this. <laughs> you see, Jesus is not really on trial here, but Pilate is. That's a plea to say, Hey, examine who I am. It's an opportunity to be saved. This is the love of Jesus Christ. He's being tried by this man, and he's given him an opportunity to be saved, to repent. Do you see the character in the heart of your Lord? You see, as we look to the life of our Lord, I mean, it just humbles us. There's always room to grow, isn't there? <laughs> always room to grow. Notice Jesus was accused of political crimes in verse 12, it tells us that he was accused by the chief priest. We don't get the record here, but Luke 23 tells us that they accused him of three things, perverting their nation, sedition, forbidding to pay taxes, and he was continually making himself out to be king. As a matter of fact, at one time in John's gospel, when, when Pilate continued to want to just release him, they said, listen, if you release him, we're going to accuse you because you're making yourself out to be a friend of this man who says he's king, and we're going to tell Rome. <laughs> Pilate was in hot water. They knew they couldn't accuse him because he declared himself to be God, so therefore they tried to get him politically because they didn't have the authority or the power. But Pilate did. Notice in verses 13 and 14 that Pilate is amazed at his silence. But it was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 7. He went as a lamb to the slaughter, dumb. Peter tells us he didn't revile. He didn't do anything. At one time, Pilate says, do you not know that I have power to crucify you? He must have been floored when Jesus says, you have no power except that which has been given to you. <laughs> I wonder what was going through Pilate's mind all this time. He was getting heat from the outside, from the Jews, and he was getting a lot more heat by Jesus. You see, Pilate was on trial. And Pilate was making his decision one step at a time. Remember that. The decisions you make and I make in this life are one step at a time. You do not get up one morning out of bed and say, boy, today I'm going to just jump in bed with another man, another woman. Today I'm going to get up and I'm going to just shoot that guy's brains off. It's one step at a time. We refuse to obey the one little conviction, the one little check, and we feel we have a hold of it, and we keep walking, 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 and all of a sudden, we're dead. We grieve the Spirit of God, we resist the Spirit, and we bring pain to the Spirit, to our own detriment, to our own fatal consequences.
maybe because of position, maybe because of pleasure, whatever it may be, but one step at a time. Pastor Xavier Reese with an important reminder about the consequences of the decisions we make. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study for your review. Just ask for the message titled, Jesus Tried and Crucified. It's available on CD for just $4. Be sure you request an additional copy to pass along to your friends and loved ones. Now the title to ask for once again is, Jesus Tried and Crucified. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What do you think about Jesus? Find out how important that question is when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com